It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. I'm David. I'm here as always with my buddy Chris. It's been a while since we've talked to you, Chris. Uh, the last time you and I talked, it was 2019, and now it's 2020. Did you uh, did you stay up to see the ball drop New Year's Eve? I was up. I was up to see the New Year. What about you? I was in bed at nine o'clock. Had to go into work at six the next morning. You know, when you're in the healthcare field, people don't know it's a holiday. Well. Yeah, I'm in the healthcare field too, but not the same way. But I mean, you you need to just be honest with people. You don't stay up past about eight thirty. Period. Oh, on a normal night, no, I, I go to bed early. <laughs> you're, a, you're an old ass man. <laughs> also, get up very early. But I, hey, I, last year we had a party here at our house, so um, we were up to like one or one thirty. But yeah, um, I, I we went out to eat and came back and went to bed and slept through all the fireworks and everything and. Um, you know, it is a new year, and Father Time did not take very long uh, in making itself known in 2020. I guess uh, Friday or Saturday, news broke that Neil Peart of Rush had died after a three-year battle with a brain with brain cancer, and um, we throw out those words "legend" and "master," and you know, uh, people that just have mastered their craft and. A lot of times that's over exaggerated or it's hyperbole. In the case of Neil Peart, it's not not it's none of those. It's it's for he earned those those monikers. Yeah, I mean I can't dispute that. I mean I, I mean obviously he's regarded as one of the greatest drummers of all time, one of the greatest not just rock one of the greatest rock drummers, one of the greatest drummers. And I'm not a Rush fan. I, I won't even pretend to be i don't hate him but being that i'm not a rush fan i didn't know like probably most of the world didn't know that he was the lyricist had no clue uh that was news to me um but yeah i mean his impact is profound um the band the band themselves are just i mean they're all just full of insane musicianship i'm just not uh, getty's lee getty lee's voices you know can not always, not always up to here in Getty Lee, and then uh, prog rock has never been my my number one. Let's just say that, but obviously respect the talents. Yeah, Getty. If you ask me, Getty Lee's voice is the rate limiting factor in their success, uh, as far as appealing to non Rush fans. I um, I like some of their music, 
um, I mean, I, I know the hits and I like those and I know a few of the deeper tracks, but, uh, it was really cool though, to see all the, uh, all the tributes. I know, um, uh, tool the other night did a, uh, a special, uh, salute to him. Um, Steve Gorman wrote this really kind of cool, um, response on the internet that I thought was interesting. He talked in his book about how he's, he's not a rush fan. It's just never, that kind of stuff's never been his thing, but he always wanted to see Neil Peart, you know, do his drum solo. And so he knew somebody that worked, I guess, on the rush, uh, in the rush on their, their tour. And they were in Atlanta and, uh, he got told Steve, he said, we have every show timed out perfectly. And Steve said, can you tell me like exactly when he's going to do the drum solo? And I'm just going to show up in my car, walk in the back of the arena and watch the drum solo and leave. And so the guy told him, you know, it's going to be in this time window. And Steve's like, I drove up, went in there and sat on the side stage and watched it and got in my car and drove off. And he was like, I realized when I got in my car that uh, uh, I'm a drummer. And uh, what he was doing was not drumming. And uh, he was just talking about how much respect he had for it, even though he's not a big fan of their music. Just how he's like, he's like, we're not even the same musician. We're not playing the same instrument. And uh, I thought that was really cool to hear. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Mike Portnoy, who that's probably his biggest influence. Portnoy did say online that he's known for a couple of years that he had brain cancer. Uh, but um, yeah, if, if they, you know, there's rumors that they may try to do a show with uh, Alex and Getty and have Portnoy play on drums. I mean, we'll see if that ever happens. But um, yeah, one of the, one of the, I, I guess if you're going to do a Mount, if we did a Mount Rushmore of drummers, he has to be on there. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you one thing I'd be interested in that I'm, I'm kind of inter- interested in afterwards is um, Ricky Ratman also, I think, said something about – I want to say he said he wasn't uh, just a massive Rush fan, but he said he, he really enjoyed his uh, books on riding. And if anybody knows anything about Ricky Ratman, he's a motorcycle enthusiast, and I, I guess I call myself a bit of a motorcycle enthusiast as well. And he did do one book that I'm really interested in. It was um, – Supposedly he just got out on the ro- on the road and just rode after he lost his wife and his daughter and um, the book that's what it's about and life on the road on a bike just to yourself that 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 sounds interesting to me. When I was listening to uh, Eddie Trunk last night, he was saying that um, on, he knew him right <laughs> on these last couple of tours that uh, a lot of times Neil would have a motorcycle waiting on him and he would get off the stage, not speak to anybody. And go straight and get on the motorcycle, and before the house lights came up, he'd already, he'd already driven off and was on his way to the next town. So, yeah, that, if if you're not that big of a Rush fan, but you like music docs, they have a one called Beyond the Lighted Stage that is one of the best music documentaries I've ever seen, and uh, they go into detail about uh, Neil's motorcycle riding. And um, anyway, it's just a sad deal, and you know we're getting. Our heroes are getting, a lot of them are getting to that age where this kind of stuff, you know, is going to happen more often. You know, we had Prince and Tom Petty, and <clears throat> that's going to that's gonna start happening more and more. But anyway, that was sad. But on to uh, newer things. Chris, have any of your um, uh, anticipated albums come out yet, or are they about to come out? I don't think so. I don't, I think both, I want to say both Fallon and, and a dually are out. I want to say they're both February. I thought Fallon was like March the twenty seventh. Yeah, then it may it may be March the twenty seventh. Then I'm I'm not sure. I really don't know. I just I, I'm pretty sure Dooley's is February, but I know, I know they're both they're both uh, first quarter. 
I've seen Dooley's already mentioned a couple of times just on people that I follow on like Twitter. Um, so, um, and if Christopher Thorne from Blind Melon, he, he's producing it, right? Isn't that what he told us? If he didn't produce it, he engineered it, but he, he had a hand on it for sure. Yeah. Cause it, it was, uh, I remember him telling me that there was a, a new solo album coming out and that was the first I had heard of it. And he kind of laughed and he said, yeah, he said he, he, he did a great job just keeping that one a secret. Nobody, nobody's and really nobody in the industry has known about it. Uh, that's cool. I know you're uh, looking forward to that and it'd be nice to have him come on here, him or Christopher, honestly, um, come on here and talk about that. Um, the only thing I've got really is Marcus King's solo album that he, uh, Dan Auerbach from, uh, Black Keys produced is coming out Friday. I'm really excited about it. Uh, new drive by truckers is coming out in a couple of weeks. And then one I'm actually really excited about that I didn't know was going to happen. Pearl jam, uh, released, uh, some information that their album's coming out in March. And, um, I'm really looking forward to that. The older I get, the more and more I appreciate Pearl Jam and kind of become a bigger fan. They're still kind of on my bucket list, one of the few bands that I really want to see that's possible that I I haven't seen. Have you ever seen them? No, I haven't. And I like the the fact that they they play long shows. Get your money's worth. And swap up the set list every night. Yeah, and I've always just felt like that's – there's few bands. I I just feel like most most bands – some of them I think are just too lazy to do it, and then some of them I just don't think can pull it off. Yeah, like um, Magpie Salute on their first tour, they play 207 different songs. Um, so you're guaranteed to get a different, you know. To me, it's kind of a bummer. Like, you go to some of these, especially like these arena shows, you know, you go see the show in Memphis and the people in Detroit the night before got the exact same thing. You know, to me, that's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of a buzzkill at times, but... Um, it gives people incentive too to go to see more than one show, right? You know, and especially if it's a big act. Now, I mean, we're we're working professionals. You know, we're not going to get in a car and follow a band all over the country. Um, not that that was ever my thing anyway. But you know, now that we're not, you know, thank God, not so much living paycheck to paycheck these days. It's cool that if you see maybe a show, we go to see one in in I don't know maybe Nashville, and then we hop on a plane and go see one a few months later in Chicago. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Cause you know, you're going to get something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. I wish more people did that. So, uh, what have you been up to? Well, I mean, I've, I, you know, after I was still just, I was still riding that high from seeing the misfits and I listened to a ton of misfits and I got, I, uh, was able to score some, uh, the Sam Hain CDs off of, um, off of eBay. And so I've been listening to those and, yeah, anybody that does not know, Sam Hain was um, it, it was in between the Misfits and Solo Danzig, and it's really it, it's what you would think. It was the bridge between the two. It was some of that punk, some of the um, some of the uh, kind of campy B movie lyricism, and kind of morphing into the more metal and just dark themes. But it really, the more I listen to it too, I just realize it's, it's and I, and I had I had downloads of that stuff, but but I now I have actually good copies of it and hearing it, and I've been listening to it more. And it you hear a lot of goth influence too, or maybe not so much influence, but a little bit of that goth sound that came into their music. Um, so really, I mean, Glenn Danzig, he's the, all three phases of his career, they're all different. And um, I mean, punk, then kind of a punk metal blend with a little bit of goth, and then straight into the metal. So been listening to that a good bit, and. Um, 
a band that I have got into in about the last two weeks, maybe two, three weeks is a band I've heard on XMU several times. And, uh, every time I've listened to them, I thought, this is, this isn't bad. They're called camp and it's with two A's C A A M P. And they released an album in, in uh, 2019. Uh, I think it's their only one and it's called by and by. And if this, if I had just taken the time to listen to this a month earlier, and not only would it have made my top 10, but I think it, I don't I have little doubt it would have been in my top five. Uh, I just, or maybe, maybe I shouldn't be that confident, but it definitely would have been in my top 10. And I just, I love it. It's, um, you know, whereas I do sometimes listen to some of the most more bizarre stuff. There's nothing bizarre about this. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of, I guess, kind of focus type. And vocally at times, he reminds me of both. This is kind of weird, but at times he reminds me of both Jason Isbell and the singer from uh, Murder by Death. And I just, I, I, I love, love, love this record, especially the first three songs and, and the title track, By and By. Uh, I, I highly recommend this one. So I've, I've been listening to that a lot. And You're then, the second person to tell me about them in a, in a week. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You, you, ought to, you ought to check them out. You know, I, I don't tell you to listen to, you know, like some of the more extreme stuff that I listen to. And I don't tell you, even though I'm listening to Sam Hain, be like, hey, man, you, you really ought to listen to Initium. Um, it's not for you. And I know that, but, um, this, I think you might dig it's, it's really, really good. And then the other that, I, I our, our, our mutual friend, Shannon, he, he, he was, he didn't know this record, but he's just heard a lot about it. And just at random, just this past weekend, he asked me, had I ever gotten into this band called ride? And I said, no, I'd never heard of them. And he said that they were a, uh, supposedly just the kind of a, early shoegaze band and so I thought okay I'm interested and I wouldn't listen to it and I told him okay you need to listen to it it's phenomenal it was uh, I guess this is their debut he said it's kind of critically acclaimed it, the album's called Nowhere but I don't really hear the um when he said shoegaze I was expecting to especially with the time that it was released I was expecting to hear another My Bloody Valentine and that's not what I heard. I heard more of uh, Stone Roses meets the Chameleons. And you know enough about me to know that I think both of those bands are great. And um, so I've been listening to that a lot. Those those are really, um, that's a very eclectic mix that I've been into. But yeah, Ride, Camp, and Sam Hain. That's what I've been listening to. <laughs> so what's new, right? <laughs> I know. It's like the other day, um, um that um, I was listening to, I got on, a, I got on a, around New Year's Eve. I got on a real big Cure kick, and also uh, a real big. Uh, I listened to Little Feet for like three or four days in a row. And I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, "What you been listening to?" I was like, "The Cure and Little Feet." And he's like, "Nobody's ever uttered those words." And it's like, probably not. I was like, "We well, should meet my friend Chris because uh, <laughs> he'll throw he'll th- he'll throw in some death metal folk banjo music in on top of that, you know and uh, and you'll uh, you'll really know what eclectic means. Yeah, I mean it's just that's just what I'm into. You know, I don't like sticking to one genre. Um, I think everybody knows that by now. And um, I just gave you a, a good little mix of stuff. And if, if those 
And I think that I think a lot of people have listened and probably at least heard of Sam Hain, but but camp and ride maybe not so. And and I think those are uh, there's nothing really bizarre about those. And and I know we have listeners that that like would like Stone Roses, probably are into the Stone Roses, and you know, like some of that. Uh, I don't I don't know how to say it. Um, almost like post punk goth new wave type sound maybe all mm-hmm. that and that's kind of where ride kind of falls into that vein so yeah and i mean in this day and age like a lot of the stuff you listen to i, I think it kind of camp aligns with that kind of stuff i mean not the not the bluesy jammy stuff but more the just stripped down do they do they sound anything like very early cult no, they do. I uh, know. I'm I, right now. I was on my camp on that one. No, that's what I'm talking about. You're talking about like that early kind of punk rock guy stuff, like stuff that would be on like Dreamtime or Love. No, that, no, camp, camp is the one that says it's more kind of like in your wheelhouse of the stuff oh, okay. you can listen to, okay. like stuff you listen to, not the bluesy type. That's the more stripped down kind of folky type. But if but to st- I know what you're asking me now. You're asking me about Ride. Yeah. And um, no, I, I just think because I know you've never listened to the Chameleons. And, and I know you've listened to Stone Roses. Think of that. Okay. Maybe a little bit more noisy, but not much. Yeah, the Stone Roses, uh, the uh, the architect for Oasis. Well, and that's another thing. It's funny you bring that up. I did actually think about you when I was listening to this. I was like, you know what? I bet you this is a band that a lot of those Britpop guys worship. Probably so. You know, and I, and I, again, I bet you if we start looking it up and looking up ride, we'll probably see a lot about this. And I, I did text a buddy at, at work that, you know, I, I tell everybody listening that I have a buddy that listens to like goat whore and cannibal whore, cannibal corpse at work. And then I've got one that listens to like the Smiths and social distortion and, and the misfits and, and, you know, all that kind of, st- and, and the cure, all that kind of stuff. And when I mentioned this band, he, he, he uh, he said, "Yeah." He said, "I hadn't listened to them forever." And like, oh, wow! He knows them. I'm gonna have to give that give that a shot. That does sound very, very intriguing. Both both camp and um, ride. Yeah, that's it for me. All right. So uh, this week, what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna take advantage of the time that uh, that it is right now. It's the dawn of a new decade, and as um, a lot of people are apt to do. They want to group things by decade. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do this exercise where we come up with 10 songs that defined the 80s and 10 songs that defined the 90s. And uh, Chris is going to handle the 90s. I'm going to handle the 80s. And um, uh, some of these songs aren't are songs that I'm not a fan of, but I, it, I'll go into my reason for, uh, for picking those songs. <coughs> So we'll start off with the 80s, and when I start thinking about 80s music, the first song that always comes to mind is Michael Jackson's Beat It off the Thriller album. And this uh, this was kind of a new direction for Michael, and uh, you know this is a guitar-based song, which is a little different for him. He's got, I think, um, Eddie Van Halen plays the solo on it, and uh, this was one of the you know r- really big, music videos and this was a couple years after mtv started and i was doing some reading on it and basically the michael jackson thriller album is kind of responsible for integrating mtv apparently before that there were hardly any african-americans on there and michael jackson kind of took this style of music to the suburbs and of course you know thriller went on to be it's a top two or three selling album of all time 
and the video is just so ingrained in our in our head and you know of course weird weird al had a uh song parody of it but um there's no denying the um the impact that michael jackson's beat it had on uh on the 80s and the second song that i wanted to talk about is princess when doves cry this video is right on up there with uh with michael jackson's beat it it was off the Purple Rain album, which was huge, which I, I talk on here a lot. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. This was also a, another uh, African-American that was, was kind of blowing up into the suburbs. The, his previous album uh, was a little more rock-oriented, and then this one kind of took that to the next level. Blistering guitar playing on here by Prince. One of the things I didn't know when I was rehearsing this, apparently there's nobody playing bass in the song. But uh, When the Doves Cried, just a massive hit for him on that huge album. And, you know, he probably could have done nothing the rest of his life and lived off the royalties from Purple Rain. The next one I've got is when we think about the 80s and you think about those uh, 80s teenager movies, what song comes to mind, Chris? Um, I think of, uh, first one that comes to mind, Breakfast Club. Um, don't, don't you forget about me. All right. Yep. So you read my mind. Simple Minds. Uh, in the 80s, it's when these uh, teenage movies uh, just kind of took over. You had, you know, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Teen Wolf, Back to the Future, uh, Say Anything, Half a Del- No, Half a Del- It may have been in the 90s. 90s. Yeah. So anyway, you had all of these uh, shows, The Goonies, you know, these teen movies that basically were kind of glamorizing life in the suburbs. And none more than Breakfast Club uh, launched a, several careers. Uh, pretty much everybody was in the movie became a household name. Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me. Whenever you ask the common person on the street, name it like an, a quintessential 80s song. Some of, several of them are going to name Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Number four, Madonna's Like a Virgin. Not only was she uh, kind of one of the first big female breakout stars of the 80s, she was one of the most controversial, constantly pushing the boundary of, of what was acceptable on TV and in live performances. And, of course, now if she came out, she would be tame. People would call her, you know, uh, oh, fuddy-duddy or whatever because things have just gotten so wild. You know, one of the most memorable images of the MTV Music Awards is her on the stage uh, at the, I guess it's at Radio City Music Hall in New York or wherever, uh, kind of grinding on the stage with uh, Like a Virgin. And she went on to have a huge career and, you know, broke the door open for other females like Cindy Lauper and Whitney Houston. And all of those went on to have big careers. And then a song that simultaneously launched one group and brought one group back from the dead, Walk This Way, Run DMC with Aerosmith. Aerosmith was all but forgotten at this point in their career. Had just done every drug known to man, and they had broken up, and then you had these fractured versions of the band going around, and then Run DMC really were the first rappers to bring themselves out of the inner city to you know the rest of America. And this song and this video really changed music altogether because after this, you had LL Cool J, you had... Uh, you know, like Biz Marquee came out. You had Tone Loke, all these other uh, acts that uh, that probably wouldn't have gotten signed or at least heard on the radio if it wasn't for Run DMC and Walk This Way. Of course, Aerosmith goes on to be one of the biggest bands in the world for about ten years after this. So, 
that uh, played a huge role. The next I've got is Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. Now, the reason I selected this one is because uh, arena rock became huge in the 80s and also the rock video. And this is kind of one of the first ones, I guess, along with maybe uh, Home Sweet Home by uh, Motley Crue that kind of became the prototype of music videos for hard rock bands with the quote-unquote live setting, the stage show. And, you know, you had John Bon Jovi flying all over the place. This course is just pop candy. Uh, it's You don't even have to be a mu- uh, music fan to know it. Uh, John Bon Jovi is still selling out arenas, one of the few acts from that time that can still do that. So Living on a Prayer <coughs> really... Uh, helped bring that uh, that hard rock sound and what would eventually become, I guess, glam and, and hair metal. Uh, the next one I have is U2's With or Without You. I think it came out in like 87. And I remember when this came out, I hated it. I was like, man, where's my poison? Where's my Guns N' Roses? Look at these guys. This music's terrible, you know? Uh, I've grown to love U2. Chris and I went and saw U2 together about 10, years, 10 or so years ago. But this was a song that brought U2 to America. It also was a rock song, but it did not fall into that category like Bon Jovi or Guns N' Roses or Poison or, or whoever. And it kind of exposed that that music to the masses. And, of course, they went on to be a massive fan. But it also showed that you could get rock music played on the radio and not have your hair teased up three feet. Um, the next one I have is Starships, We Built This City. The reason I picked this one is the 80s were a very weird time from for acts from the 60s. Uh, we had all this new technology, sampling and loops and synthesizers, and you know the big drum sound was being incorporated in uh, in almost everything. And to me, no no band was more awkward than Starship. Now they originally were Jefferson Airplane. And they lost people and they became Jefferson Starship. They lost some more people and they became Starship. And I think when Starship put this album out, Grace Slick may have been the only original member left. But this was this has no resemblance to Jefferson Airplane whatsoever. But it was a massive hit. And it, it gets panned all the time as like the worst song from the 80s. I happen to love the song. If it comes on, I turn it up and, and I sing it. I'm not embarrassed to say that whatsoever. Uh, other band acts from the 60s that kind of had some problems with their sound in the 80s that come to mind, Steve Winwood. You know, he was in Traffic, he was in Blind Faith, he was in Spencer Davis Group, and then his stuff was just completely different. Uh, Grateful Dead uh, put out the song Touch of Grey, which was a huge hit. They actually managed to handle the 80s pretty well, but a lot of awkward moments. The Rolling Stones, I mean, Emotional Rescue and... Uh, uh, th- those albums from like 82... Good album. 80... Uh, 82 to like 87 or whatever. Those those were the, the tough times for them. Um, number nine. Maybe success-wise, but you're wrong. It's good. <laughs> well, we can just agree to disagree. Um, Metallica's one. The reason I picked this was because thrash metal really kind of started in 82, 83, at least here in America. Metallica was this huge underground band, and after them, obviously, came Megadeth and Slayer and, I think, Exodus and and. and Testament. Exodus was first, but okay. yeah, they they were but <laughs> semantics. Yeah, they they nobody knew them. Um, so they come out and you know for years Metallica said they were never going to do a music video, never going to do a music video. I specifically remember laying in my bed on a Friday night and they said we're going to premiere the new video from Metallica, and 
I was laying in there and the video freaked me out. I had to turn the channel. And if you've ever seen the video, it's very frightening, <laughs> especially like to like 11 or 12 year old in the middle of the night. But this was thrash metal being brought to the masses, but it was still without compromise. This was still very much a, a thrash band at this point. And Justice for All sold uh, millions of copies with little to no you know, press or obviously had this video, but they weren't getting played on the radio a lot. And so after this, you started seeing Megadeth loosen up a little bit. Well, they did Rust in Peace, but after that, they started becoming a little more conventional. So did Metallica and those other bands, uh, except maybe, I guess, for Slayer, they kind of didn't change. But the rest of them um, liked that success and kind of made their stuff a little more commercial sound. And I don't think any of that's possible if Metallica's one is not released. And then the final one I have is the one I love by R.E.M. And the reason I picked this, R.E.M. basically invented alternative slash indie music or at least what we think of it they were a huge band on the college circuit especially like where chris and i live in the southeast just massive uh, very popular but didn't really get a whole lot of radio play and this song uh while it wasn't as big of a hit as some of their other ones would go on to be it was the first one that i know of where it got a national audience and you know, it's one of their most popular songs. It's also one of the most misunderstood songs of all time. There's nothing lovely about it. Just listen to the lyrics, people. Um, but after that, Metallica, I mean, not Metallica, R.E.M. would go on to be one of the biggest bands in the world for the next 10 years, and you saw a wave of bands that sound like them getting signed and getting played on the radio. Of course, it was their next album, Green, that broke them with a stand, and it was uh, out of time that just made them megastars. But... Anyway, those are my 10 songs. Chris, tell me where I'm wrong. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there, there's some there's some, there's some stuff I, I wouldn't have had. Um, but here's the thing. Before I even say too much comment about specific or what I think you might have left out, I am when – you, when you do this, this is, this is, this is a, an example of one of those we, – and we've talked about this before – it's an example of one of those topics that, like, when you first gave me the idea, I didn't like it. Not that I didn't think it was good. I didn't like it because I didn't know how I would do it. And the reason for that is I can – as you've been talking, I've literally thought of another – a couple, like, how do I not put these on my list and knock these others off? <laughs> my point is they could change in an hour. Right. Not in a week, not in a month. They can change in five minutes or less. It, it's just – it's. Because you have all these songs through all this decade, and it's what popped into your mind at that moment. There's a few that you can't – they're going to come up there every time. Your your Prince and your Michael Jackson picks and your you know, um, your Simple Minds, those are going to come up every time. Um, some other ones, you know, like I, I would have had something like uh, – I would have – I would have. I think the Bon Jovi pick was, was a solid because of how massive they were. I, I think um, – the REM, there's not a, nothing wrong with that pick. I probably would have done into the world. Uh, you were talking about Cindy Lauper, and I'm thinking, well, where's she going to come up? Because that's as 80 as it gets. Right. And, I'm th- and when you're starting to talk about movies, I'm starting to think Goonies. You said Goonies, but you know all the songs she had. And then I'm thinking, um, I think, what about like uh, even Violent Films, Blister in the Sun, In Excess, New Sensation. True. I mean, these are things that just kind of popped in my head. But 
God, I don't know what I would have done with this list. And and my list that you're about to hear right now, like I said, as soon as we're done, I can. I, you tell me to change it, put ten different songs on it. I don't know how hard that would be. I would just pick ten different ones. Right. And and that being said, my list that I'm gonna come up on. Oh, another one you left off. Beastie Boys, Fight for Your Right. That's that's a, that's true. That's a very good one. Um, but as I'm going through my list, I'm thinking, I'm looking at mine, and and like you said, that doesn't mean you're big fans of them. There's some songs on here I don't like. I mean, I'm just going to say that for record. I don't like them. It wasn't, what songs do you love of the 90s? We've done that. Right. We've done that podcast. What songs sound like the 90s make you think of the 90s? And so that's what I tried to do. Um, let's just go and hit it off with, since you, well, I'm going to go and hit it off with a couple of them. Since since I said songs you may not like, I'm going to go with a couple of them I don't like and just get those out of the way because they need to be on the list. Um, Britney Spears. Hit me, baby, one more time. Oh, my wife is going to jump to the speakers. But if that, what is what else is nineties, man? I mean, that's pop nineties. No, that's, no, it's you so, may not like it, but that's no, Madonna. no, no, no. It's so funny because she and I were driving uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, I think it's, we were coming back from Christmas or Thanksgiving one, and I was telling her about this idea I had, and I was like, I think Chris is going to do the nineties, and her first response was, "He has to have Britney Spears hit me, baby, one more time." Yeah, I mean, it's obvious to me. Um, Another one that has to be on here, and by the way, before I'm going to preface this, and as soon as I start to say what could have been on your list, you're going to already know mine's going to be one of two that's coming up. You could have easily thrown in New Kids on the Block. Yeah, massive late '80s. The the architect for the boy band. I despised them then. I despise them now. And I'm pr- so proud, like, because I'm, I've told this story before. I remember kids in my sixth grade class going to the 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 uh, New Kids on the Block concert. And you're like, oh, my God, that's gay. At the Mid-South, at, at the Mid-South Coliseum? Yeah, it's like, that's, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I was there, Because Chris. I wanted to listen to the crew. I'm not surprised. I went, I got in, me and my buddy Eddie got invited by his sister and some older girls, and we went, and it was everything that you would think it was. And oh my god, no! I, I mean, I remember thinking like, like this is ridiculous. You're going to this show. I want to go to the show. My mom won't let me go to. Motley Crue came in, and when I was in, I think sixth grade, on the you know still they were still wrapping up the Girls 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 tour. I think at that time, or maybe no, but it would have been Doctor Feelgood, and I wanted to go to that show. Had no chance in going. I didn't want to go to the uh, New Kids, but I digress. My pick, Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, not not my cup of tea, but that is a defining sound of the '90s. So, move on from there. I'm going to go with. And as I'm going through there, I'm thinking uh, there's one artist I wanted to put in here, and I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to call an audible at the last minute because I'm now I'm going to sit here and think well, there's so many different songs it could be, and I don't know which one to pick. So let me not even add it onto the list. I was going to put Garth Brooks on here as a last minute audible because of how big he was in the '90s and country was big in the '90s. But I have one pick from country, and your wife with the kind of stuff she listens to is probably going to love me for this one too. Shania Twain, you're still the one. Oh, she's going to love you. That is '90s to me. Yeah. Um, Mutt so, Lang, man, Mutt Lang. Yeah. So um, now it seems like I'm going through all the stuff. Well, actually, that's a decent song. It's like it feels like I'm going through just the songs I don't like first. Um, okay. Now here's one. I'm looking at my list as we're going through and seeing what I'm gonna pick next. 
Here's one. I, I think I was um, maybe I think I was a sophomore in high school, and this is when really the you know alternative got really big and big on radio. And this was one of the one of the early just massive hits, and something that I think was totally a when you think of alternative, you know, alternative became the mainstream and all. But when you think of alternative, this was alternative. It was different than anything you were hearing. Beck loser. Yeah. So I go with that next. And then um, another one, you, you might laugh at this one. And uh, and honestly, I, 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 I did like this song in the 90s. And there's a part of nostalgia. I can listen to it right now. I'm not going to say it's my favorite song, but I can listen to it as part of nostalgia. And before I say what it is, it's one of those songs that I don't know if it could have been. I don't think it could have ever been a hit in any other decade but the 90s. Crash Test Dummies. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Is that not 90s like a once, a one-decade chance for a hit like that? You're right. It was perfect timing, and you had the kind of big chorus, but it wasn't a bloated chorus, so that made it total 90s, you know? But Yeah. Uh, go listen to the words of that song and tell if that doesn't creep you out a little bit. <laughs> so, so uh, and I, I'm... Coming up here pretty quick. I've got some heavy, heavy hitters going. Um, let me go with um, one of them that I think you may have ended yours with this, and I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with an REM song, REM "Losing My Religion." Um, one of the biggest songs of the '90s. One of the biggest videos of the '90s. I, I easily could have gone with uh, "Everybody Hurts," but this seemed to be the song that really really put them in the mainstream that you were talking about. That's the track. One of the most recognized, watched episodes of TV in the 90s, Dylan and Brenda breaking up on 90210. Yeah, you've told me that. Yeah. Um, okay. Another one, that the one I said you you um, you should have had, Beastie Boys Fight for Your Right, I'll, um, I'll make up for your, your mishap. Um, Beastie Boys. Sabotage. Um, let's fire this one up. I want to hear this now.
Yeah, so the Beastie Boys. Man, I love the Beastie Boys. I've talked about them a lot in here. I talked about that book that I read. I just, uh, I love those guys. I love those records. And I love what they did with that white boy run DMC of the 80s. And, and then they all the sampling they started doing. Then they start deciding they want to play instruments. And they started making some really, really cool original sounds. And then here comes Sabotage. And, you know, they... MCA was, I don't know how good the other, the others weren't technically, I don't think great musicians. I think MCA was a cool bassist because only a, a decent bassist, a good bassist, because they ever come up with that bass line. That bass line of Sabotage is just absolutely killer. Uh, I love the aggression. I love Ad-Rock's vocals. Uh, the video is one of the greatest videos ever made. And this is the... 90 song i guess for the beastie boys i'm not saying it's my favorite one that they did but it is the 90 song of the beastie boys and the beasties uh they kind of went quiet at the end of the 80s and then they they came back with a vengeance and they became you know they were just as big not bigger in the 90s than they were in the 80s and the thing is the song i told you you could have picked in the 80s fits the 80s Sabotage totally would not have fit in there. It fits the '90s, so they just—it just shows you how they reformed their sound and what so many bands can't do: change styles and people still like it. They were able to pull off. Um, next, I'm gonna go with um, with Green Day. You know, I like the album Dookie. I, I still like that. My my buddy, even my even my uh, goat whore friend at, at the hospital, <laughs> even he says Dookie's a good record. And um, it is, but I'm not going to pick something off Dookie as, as much as I'd want to. I got to go with the song that was absolutely massive at the end of the decade, still used. And all I think about when I hear this song is the is the the montage episode or the well, it was the last I think it was a montage episode right before the finale of um, Seinfeld, and they're all coming out waving. It almost makes me emotional thinking about it because I love that show. Song fits so perfectly. You know what I'm talking about. Green Day, Time of Your Life. Isn't it called Good Riddance? Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Uh. Yes. I'm glad you pointed that out to me. But yes, it's Good Riddance, and I think it's parentheses, Time of Your Life. I think that's what it is. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what it is. Um, now I'm going to go with one that is becoming a twenty a what twenty fifth anniversary tour this year is being put off for this record. One of the biggest records of the nineties, probably one of the biggest selling records of all time. Again, not necessarily what's my favorite. I don't hate it. I don't hate her music, but how can I leave off Alanis Morissette? You ought to know. Again, quintessential nineties. Massive, massive album. I, I don't even know how many hits were on that thing, but almost every song that came off of it was a hit. So it has to be on there. And then my final one, the um, song of a generation, voice of a generation. You and I will disagree with this to no end. I don't care. At least I had I know Kate will disagree with me. At least Shannon supports me. Nirvana is one of the most influential bands that's ever walked this earth. Smells like Teen Spirit. That is the '90s right there. That song. I was me. I was wondering if you were going to drop that in there because you're getting toward the end. I'm like, he hadn't mentioned that. Like, 
There's no, there's no, any list that doesn't have that on there is, it's not valid. That is the number one song of the 90s. That is the song that defines it. Like I said, that is the song of a generation. He was the voice of a generation. That song was massive. That song completely changed the face of music. Completely changed the scope. Everything changed when that came out. All right. So, I mean, I can't argue with any of your picks, but there's some, there's some really big heavy hitters you left off there, buddy. Oh, I know I did. And I don't, I don't even know what they are, but you'll tell me and I'll say, yep, you're right. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't regret leaving off one of, I don't regret leaving it off in favor of one of mine, but yeah, absolutely. Smashing Pumpkins? Um, Disarm or 1979? Not to me. I, I like those songs, but not to, I think the ones that I did almost paint the picture better, but I, I get your point. And then another one I have, it can be a hybrid of a couple of people, but like uh, Sheryl Crow or Sarah McLaughlin, uh, you know, they, they were really big um, in the nineties. Um, I'm trying to think um, you could have done something off of um, U2's Octung baby. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, that, uh, you're, you're right. And, Never even crossed my mind, but um, I think uh, a, a good one to pick, even though we've talked about I, I, I liked it when I was a kid. I don't even like this song at all, <clears throat> but I've already pointed to songs I don't like on my list. Mysterious Ways would have been a good fit. But I think of what you've named so far, um, Hootie and the Blowfish could have made its way. You know, I could have knocked out something like, um, like Beck, for example. Right. Even though I think that has a defining sound. Uh, I could have knocked that out. Okay, I have two more, and give me your reasoning why you left them off, okay? Okay. Um, Metallica, Inner Sandman. Well, good question. Um, which, by the way, I was looking this up just to make sure I wasn't that I'd totally butchered. I was, I was, we were both right. It's good riddance, parentheses, time of your life. Okay, I feel better knowing I didn't <laughs> screw up. Um, no, that's that's a good that's a good question. And it was mainstream, but it doesn't have the sound of the '90s to me. Okay. Um, because it's it's just a hard rock metal song, and I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain. I just it, it just doesn't sound. This, all the songs I, I think of are those are the ones that are going to be put in a lot of. Not everyone that I included, I'm sure, are not going to be in there. But if you're going to make a '90s movie right now because everything's popular right now to make 80s stuff give it 10 years and it'll all be 90s movies that they're putting out 90s tv shows i think most of mine could be on that li- on on one of those movies or tv shows that's yet to come out and our sandman doesn't really fit it to me all right massive one, massive song but that that's my that's my reasoning all right one more and i think i know why you left it off but i want you to say it okay why nothing off pearl jumps 10 Um, Alive, Jeremy, Black. Didn't cross my mind. That's the honest answer. And if I did put something on there, it would have been Alive. But and, and this, if I if I have to think like what you're thinking, and I think there may be a little bit of truth to this, I put the representation of the music that changed the scope of the the song that changed the scope of music. I was just, and, trying, just trying to get you to say it. I figured you didn't want to put. More than one Seattle band on there, and that, that's that's kind of in a way we're kind of talk saying the same thing in a way, 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I, I thought of, there were a couple of them when you first brought this list that hit me with immediately. And I'll tell you to me, the first two that hit me smells like teen spirit and you ought to know. Yeah. Those are the first two that hit me. And I don't even own that Alanis Morissette record. Never have. I, and I wouldn't be embarrassed on it. I mean, I, I think she put out some good stuff and she put out, she had some good songs off that. And she put a, 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 a massive, massive, massive album that will, it's rarely been, it's rarely been duplicated. No, but, um, uh-uh. but like I said, she wasn't necessarily like somebody I just loved. It's just that song and that album. It, I think if you leave off, that's it. I don't know how you pick a song other than that one of hers, but if you leave her off of a nineties list, it's flawed. Oh, I mean, she has to be, it has to be up there. You know, if smells like teen spirits, number one, it's gotta be like number three or number four. Yeah. I, I, I really do agree with that. I mean, it, it's, it's like, I mean, you put in the albums of the nineties. I mean, it, it's totally different sound, but you're getting into like, you're getting into thriller type discussions. Right, I mean, no, literally, you are, and sales wise too. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's really what I'm talking about is sales and hits. You're getting into you're getting into thriller territory, and so how do you leave that off? Um, but most of the songs I, I named, I do like. The only two I don't, I'm not a fan of is I'm not a fan of "Hit Me Baby One More Time" and I'm not a fan of of um, whichever Backstreet Boys song. I actually had to look them up a Backstreet. I had to look Google Backstreet Boys and see what the names of the songs were. And I saw that one, and that was the one I, that stood out more than any of them. So that's what went on there. <laughs> Sonny Pooney's gonna love you for bringing on the Backstreet Boys. Does he like them? Uh, he likes. He I think I think. I mean, he's gonna kill me if I'm wrong in this, but I think he likes a lot of boy bands. My God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's like he's like Prince, Richie Codson, Jeff Scott Soto, Kiss, and boy bands. So well, so now, really, really, what he is is he's he, and I and you know him much better than I do. But really, what he is is he's like he's print. This is a better way to say it: Prince and hard rock slash hair metal ballads, and now I'm learning boy bands. And he's a uh, he's <laughs> I, I think he's like a really big like Bruno Mars fan. I think he loves a lot of R and B stuff too. So. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. Gonna... That's, that's not my cup of tea. But uh, I mean, it's not necessarily embarrassing. The uh, Sonny, if you're listening to us, Backstreet Boys, that's, that's it's a bit embarrassing. But that's okay, man. If <laughs> if I have gotten this wrong and he listens to this, I'm going to get eviscerated. Well, <laughs> well I tell you, he will probably listen to it. That's Steve Wright, and Steve yeah. Wright will definitely let him. He'll probably give him shit for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sonny, we love you. We look forward to seeing you in Nashville this summer. We'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll dinner on us or something. If although, although, let's go and make fun of. Let's take a a, a chance to make a uh, take a shot at Steve. I mean, what would what would his eighties been? Uh, an armored saint deep cut or a BC would be like a Saxon. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with either one of those bands, yeah. but but that would be the way that Steve would do the list. I told you <laughs> this Armored Saint song just sounds like the '80s. <laughs> oh, '90s? How about this Sacred Right tune, <laughs> Man of War? <laughs> I, I, I think I told you, but a couple of weeks ago, like I about had a wreck. I was laughing so hard. I was listening to their podcast. They're like, BC, what you've been listening to? And he was like, uh, Saxon and uh, Grace Potter. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, yeah, you told me that. I want to listen. I do want to listen to there. I haven't listened to it. And guys, if you if you any of you are listening to it, I am going to listen to your uh, your Van Halen. I want to hear your favorite um, your Mount Rushmore. Um, uh, David Lee Roth and uh, Van Hagar, because more than anything, like I, I think I think uh, BB is going to come in with some rock solid picks. I think I think Dylan will, um, BC will, and I'm not saying Steve won't, but hey. Steve's will be the most anti <laughs> hit there ever was. Actually, actually, no, not really. Like, uh, there's actually oh, you listen the, to it? Yeah, there's actually a couple of ballads that Steve uh, Steve admits he likes. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, anyway, they have uh, I forget her name. It's, she's been on there a couple of times doing like she's a huge Van Halen fan. They had her on there. So yeah, anyway, so since we made fun of them, we might as well plug their <laughs> podcast, Potter Than Hell podcast, comes out every Friday at noon Central or eleven Central. I can't remember. And then uh, Sunny Pooney has a Growing Up Rock podcast. Theirs usually comes out on Sunday evening. So give those guys a follow. They're good friends of ours. And uh, and ours comes around to whenever it comes out whenever we feel around. Ours is like ours is out. like whenever Dave's got a day off and he sits around and tinkers with it and decides <laughs> to put it up there. So uh, we're, we're and whenever he can get me to keep from canceling. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, like I said on our last episode, our download numbers really went up this past year. We really appreciate that uh follow us on twitter at digital killed and like our facebook page and we have an instagram page uh digital killed the radio star podcast uh chris will be sitting out next week's episode but i've got an interview lined up of uh, up and coming artists i think you're going to enjoy to play us out this week uh one of my selections from the 80s man this one never gets old prince when doves cry Yeah.